what will Israel be like when the Messiah is there? My name is Dale Travis Maynard, and I'm the Messiah. For 6,138 years, God has prepared me to be the Messiah perfectly in every way. He is a God of faithful promises that can always be trusted, and he's never lied. God made many promises. Revelation 12, there will soon be a flood before uh, summer next year. And after Daniel 9, the commandment will go forth to restore and build Jerusalem and will start building the temple. And seven years later, it will be built all according to the word of God. The temple will be built according to the word of God found in the book of Ezekiel, chapters 40 through 43 predominantly. But there's a few other details. When we begin construction of the temple, God will raise the whole house of Israel from the dead. That's in Ezekiel 37. And we'll do a survey eventually of the land of every tribe according to the word of God found in the book of Ezekiel. And you know, it's kind of mixed up in the 40s. But uh, it'll be the fulfillment of God's promise. It'll look a lot like Canaan used to. If you look like, and this is what I mean, if you look at an old map of Canaan, how it used to be, the border of Israel will be very similar or identical to the uh, map of Canaan uh, as a fulfillment of God's promise he made to Abraham that the land of Canaan uh, would be the land that Abraham would dwell in. Abraham is among those that will live in Israel again, along with every king that was ever a king in Israel, except Saul. And uh, the prophets will be there, many of the prophets. And uh, Moses, Noah, the fathers of the 12 tribes, Sarah Lee and Rachel and others, Ruth. Uh, other men that you might not call Israel will be there, including uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. I'm excited about that. And the temple will be built during the seven years of construction. I'll speak to the, the tribe of Levi. And uh, God might gather his people at this time. Uh, I, I foresee it somewhat, but I don't see a whole lot of it. Maybe I don't see everything that'll happen. And uh, I'll speak to the tribe of Levi and teach them a lot of things. So when any man from any tribe or any woman or any child comes to the temple, if they can't speak to me, Maybe there's a long line that day of men and women and children hoping to speak to me. I might be speaking on the news or something after a number of years. I might be on the news or posting on Instagram or something. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Words of the apostles or the prophets. Jesus Christ will be there again. I know a lot of Jews are offended at Jesus Christ, but that's what Christians have said that offends you. It's not uh, the real Jesus. And when he's there, um, you, might get, you might even get to see him actually, or hear him speak in the flesh. You might get to hear him speak on Instagram, you know, or a Facebook video, but probably not. But you might get to hear Jesus speak on the news, the real Jesus Christ. And when you know the truth about him, you'll say, oh, that makes sense. Probably. That's probably what you'll say, I think. <clears throat> the survey will be cool. I'm excited about that. Because uh, I hope to do something beautiful and useful. I hope between every tribe that when they do the first survey, they might use wooden survey stakes or something, maybe metal stakes, I don't know. 
what they use the first time. And they will remeasure at least once, maybe two or three times to make sure that the measurements are perfect. Israel will be there uh, for the next 6,146 years, maybe more. So I want a real accurate survey so there's no dispute later about the land. And then I want really long-lasting um, uh, survey monuments. And um, although we might use modern survey monuments, like a big piece of metal in the ground, what I'd like to do is plant a tree, a tree line. And I want to do cedars because it's useful. We, we can use the wood uh, as a boundary between every tribe. But I might plant a cedar every 250 feet. And in between, plant, uh, maybe, maybe put a trellis with grapes on it or uh, olive trees or fig trees, trees for food. So anytime a man or a woman crosses the uh, tribe boundary, they could get some free food right there on the boundary line. Useful things, trees is, is what I want to put there. I don't want to put a wall or a fence. I don't want to put a bunch of wooden stakes. They don't last very long, maybe three years, maybe a little bit longer, but they don't last long. They fall down, they break. Trees, they grow. The wood will get worn down by the sun, but a tree continues to grow. So if we put trees there instead of uh, wooden stakes, they'll last a long time and they're beautiful. And if we put food trees there, people can have food. The boundary of the tribe will be um, about 25, exactly 25,000 reeds. So it's a long boundary. Some of the tribe boundaries are actually longer than that. In the tribe of Dan, between Dan and Asher, it's much longer than that. So when it goes into the desert areas, there's desert trees we could plant there instead of cedars. But I'd like a long line of cedars. I mean, that would just look really cool. And I think other nations would look at Israel and say, wow, that is a really interesting idea to uh, plant trees as a boundary. In order to do it, we'll need to get cedar seeds or other seeds. And trees don't always grow when we, when we put a seed in the ground. So what I'd like to do is have a soil farm somewhere. And next to that, a uh, like a greenhouse type situation or just a place where we can make little cups made of paper or something that will compost and dirt where the tree seed can grow really well. And I'll probably need, um, depends on how we do this, you know, 10,000 trees or more, uh, depending on how close together the trees are, maybe 20 or 30,000 trees. And then as the trees are big enough in the cups, then uh, I'll pay men, hopefully, to uh, go out and plant the trees on those property lines. I want the survey to be perfect, so there's no dispute between the tribes. And I want them to have a dispute about resources. They don't work that well together, these tribes, but the dispute's easily resolved. If the tribe of Dan wants all the trees and the tribe of Asher wants to cut them down, let's say in 50 years or 60 years when the trees are tall, they might uh, agree that Dan gets half of them and Asher gets the other half. And then hopefully by then I've planted more trees and cups. Hopefully a tall enough tree that when they put it in the ground, goats don't come along and eat the trees. And then uh, they can plant a new tree line. Maybe I'll pay men to do that again when they start cutting trees down. So it's an easy dispute and they might learn to work together and realize that they were given something free from God, the almighty God in heaven that made the trees grow. Instead of complaining that they only get half, maybe they can be grateful that they got something because the men and women that lived in Israel in the past never say thank you to God. Even in heaven as spirits.
Now there are men and women in Israel that are faithful and that have learned his word in heaven. But many like King Jehoshaphat and King David have refused to learn the word of God, much to their shame. And although many of you might doubt that, they will be in Israel and they will live a long time, I think, unless I kill Jehoshaphat. Because Jehoshaphat worships the devil. A lot. And so does King David, but King Jehoshaphat worships him more and serves him day and night and speaks his words to other spirits in heaven day and night, telling the lies of the enemy who hopes to destroy Israel. And if you ever hear their words, you'll know that King David isn't the man you hoped he was. Neither is Jehoshaphat. They're low. And it's sad to see a man be brought that low. They both had more than 3,000 years to rebuke the devil, and I still can't figure that out, even though I've told them how. There might be a lot of shame in Israel when they return. The whole house of Israel will be ashamed according to the words of the prophet Ezekiel, the word of God. Show them the dimensions that they may be ashamed. When we build the temple, we're going to build it exactly to the dimensions written in the book of Ezekiel. We'll measure, and I want to put a piece of metal or a piece of wood in the ground at the corner of every building, and then measure inward from that point to where the beam should be. So all of the gold overlay and the panels for the wall and everything that goes on the outside is a perfect and exact measurement once it's done. They won't be bigger or smaller than God said. It will be exact. And it will be straight at right angles. Everything will be built perfectly. The wood will be dried so it doesn't shrink later and cause the gold overlay on the temple to crack. There will be precious gems inset into the temple. As it is written in the book of Isaiah, chapter 54. And in the tribes, they're going to have a real problem because I want to do things the Bible way, God's way. But when they get to Israel, although things might be different in the world for a number of years after the flood, there might be a lot of temptation to buy things on Amazon, to buy garbage food, garbage furniture, garbage clothes, garbage blankets, everything made of mixed fabrics, everything made wrong, toxic chemicals that poison the children and the men and the women. There's temptations in the world to choose every single thing except what's written in God's words found in the Holy Bible. The rabbis might tell those in Israel to hear every word of the rabbis except the word of God written in the Holy Bible. But after I speak, it'll clear a lot of the confusion up with all who hear. And those that come to Israel and hope to worship a false god will die suddenly and violently. I hope to find the men that have the most faith and make sure that they're the first ones to get swords and spears. If any man in Israel tries to murder another man, the murderer will die that day. If any man in Israel 
hopes to rape a woman, the rapist will die that day. It might take a few years, but a lot of men and women in Israel might die if they practice witchcraft, sorcery, if they rape, if they murder, if they worship someone who isn't God, if they start making graven images, any man or any woman that does that will die that day. And eventually the evil will be put away. And then when men and women years from now say, why is it better in Israel? I might say, all of the evil men are dead. King David was king in Israel in the past, and David will be king in Israel again, the same man. He's been in heaven for more than 3,000 years, I think. Uh, I know it's more than 3,000, I just don't know exactly how many. And he has refused to learn the word of God at all. Most of the men and women in Israel, including Moses, have refused to learn the word of God at all. In heaven, they can easily learn every word written in the Bible. If they learn the word of God 30 minutes per day, they would learn not only every word written in the Bible, but 8,142 very long answers. Many of them, many scrolls length long if they were written down. They would have known this all in seven years. And in over 3,000 years, many of them haven't learned one word of God. They hate God. They curse God. And they don't know even one word. Many of you might ask, why does Israel need a Messiah? And here's the answer. Many of God's children in the heaven have heard the words of the devil for 3,200 years. They know them perfectly. They can recite to you many words the devil spoke, 3,200 years worth of words, but they can't recite even one word of God. And when they're raised from the dead and they're in Israel, they won't know how to do anything. The kings won't know how to do anything. Mothers and fathers won't know how to do anything. They're violent, they're stubborn, they're rebellious, and they're filthy in God's eyes, as it is written in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1. Putrefying sores. And they might be in Israel speaking the devil's words. And some of them, if they speak some of those words even once, will die by my hand with a sword or a spear that goes straight through their heart without mercy. Because Israel is not the kingdom of Lucifer. Israel is not the kingdom of Mahalaleel, the false prophet. Neither is it the kingdom of Elisha, the Tishbite, the Antichrist. It's not the kingdom of John Huxton, false Christ, who claimed to be Jesus. It's not the kingdom of every wicked man and every evil man. Neither is it the kingdom of wicked women or evil women. And you can see the problem. This is the beginning of a very long list. As far as I know, God said that one day Israel will do what's right in his eyes as it is written in the Holy Bible. But that's not today. It's not tomorrow, probably. And it might be a long time. So many of them that have lived in the earth 
and have now lived in heaven might live in the earth again for a short while and then they might die and they might go to heaven and come back to the earth over and over and over again until they finally figure out how to not sin. When I first spoke to the spirits last year, over and over again, they gloated saying they won't repent of even one sin and they'll sin forever. They've done sins that are so filthy that they're sickened continually day and night with a sickness in their stomach, which is easily cured. And I've told them how. They've rejected God. They've rejected God's word. And they want to go to Israel to destroy the nation of Israel and serve the devil. They've vastly exceeded their station. They went to heaven and told God what to do. And they can't even figure out what to do themselves. So when I'm in Israel, I want to do everything I can for every man and woman in the whole earth. I hope in Israel to grow so much food that we can find the poorest nations in the whole earth and give it away. Give them food for free. I hope to advise kings and presidents in foreign nations on how their nations can get out of a third world poverty situation. So when the devil builds Babylon, it's hard for the devil because he wants to rely on third world industrial sweatshop warehouses to provide everything in Babylon. And it will be built in Egypt, in Northwest Egypt, and they might begin construction soon. Jesus Christ will be there. He is a man of very great faith and he is very brilliant. He might do things in the earth that no man has ever done. And maybe not. He might just speak God's words. The 12 apostles will be there and other men and women that might do interesting things. And many of them will be brought to Israel soon when I am there and they will be my children. And they will learn how to do what's right from a man who knows Messiah the Prince. And they will be princes themselves. As it is written in the book of Isaiah, where princes will rule over those that lived in Israel. Those that lived in Israel before are arrogant and they believe they know what to do in Israel. And these kings, these old men that are thousands of years old, and these old women that lived in Israel before might be ruled over by young children, princes named St. Matthew, St. Luke, Jesus Christ, St. Mark, St. John the Divine, Solomon, who has been born again and is a baby now, Josiah, Abraham, Sarah, Leah, Rachel, Jeremiah. Famous men and women who've been born again and live. And next year, they'll be one year old. And maybe when these children are eight years old, they might rule every 
inch of land in Israel because the men and women that we hope to admire might not do even one thing worthy of respect. They are without honor. And they need to learn from children who know more than them. So let's talk about the fun stuff now. In Israel, there will be something called the Israel Data Hub. And my hope is this. I want to go through the whole thing in another podcast. But that they can have everything they want in Israel. All of the best knowledge and information from the whole world. And from all the men and women who lived in Israel in the past. Every word of all the prophets. Every word of God. Knowledge also of how to make everything in Israel with clay, wood, bricks, stone, metal, every object in Israel, and how to get jobs and how to do every kind of work of every kind, how to do high efficiency, high speed, low cost, high profit manufacturing. So in Israel, they can make everything they need for a low price, sell it for a fair price, get paid a fair wage. And have a happy life. So that the men and women in Israel, if only the husband works five days per week, seven hours per day, so that he can bring home enough money every day, so that his family has food and clothes, a house, even at a young age, enough money to build or buy a house. And if he can't afford to buy one, maybe he can get on the Israel Data Hub and learn how to build it. So that his wife never has to work one day in her life. But she can if she wants to. In Israel, women can preach. Women can teach. Men can have long hair if they want when I'm there. But they can't fuck each other in the ass. They'll die the day someone catches them doing it. In Israel, they'll have knowledge available of every kind. And I hope to make the school system in Israel so vastly superior to every other nation in the world that no one in Israel is ever called a simpleton or an imbecile. But instead, they know the answer to 100 million questions. I hope to make it so fun that they never feel like it's hard. And I know how. My name is Dale Travis Maynard and I'm Messiah. I am the prince, and I have more knowledge and wisdom than any man who's ever lived among all of God's children in 40 universes, even among the angels. I hope to make something called Israel University, and I hope everything on the Israel Data Hub is free. I'm going to cut the hard lines. No nation in the foreign nations will ever have access. They'll never hack it. They'll never infiltrate the nation. And change it. I'll probably make it with Linux. With 64-bit encryption. And I'll make it so they can do school at home. Anytime they want. There will be no law requiring school. In Israel, there will be no taxes. Unless in Israel they want to do a big national project temporarily. And then the taxes will be voluntary, not mandatory. I'll pay men and women to do research and development and to make new technologies that have never before been invented. 
They might say, why in Israel is it better? I hope there to be tours in Israel where they can see things that we do, things that we own, things that we have, and learn about God for a fair price for them. And when they ask, why is it so much better in Israel? Why are they happier? Why are things better? We might say, our God, the only God, has blessed Israel because we do all that he has commanded. Everything I just listed is extra. The Israel Data Hub is extra. Having huge food crops is extra. Doing charity throughout the world, that's extra. Having high efficiency manufacturing, that's not required, that's extra. Having homeschooling or schooling in a school building, that's extra. Having no taxes, I think that's obvious. I think it's the best way. I think that everything I just said is extra. What we do in Israel is we do all that God has commanded. In Israel, we don't worship false gods. In Israel, we fulfill the law. Murderers die. Rapists die. Child molesters die. Men that fuck men, <clears throat> men that fuck men die. Sorcerers and witches die. There's no abortions in Israel when I'm there. There's no antidepressants and medical treatments. There's no toxic chemicals or poisonous food. There's going to be nothing in Israel that offends me. I might have to pay men and women every day, five days a week, to remove things that, from Israel that don't belong for the next 75 years. And even then, we might still not be done. In Israel, there will be no prisons. You might say, how will the law be fulfilled? If a man steals a bunch of things, the judges might decide he gets stripes and he'll get those that day. He'll lay down and get the stripes. And if he refuses to lie down, either they'll force him or he will be in exile, forced to leave Israel. For sins worthy of death, those men will die that day. I don't even want the cities of refuge for the murderers. You might say, what will we do with the temple? Which sacrifices? Both mosaic sacrifices and what's written in the book of Ezekiel. The mosaic sacrifices will be done exactly as written in the Old Testament. The prince's sacrifices, the ones that I'll offer, are in addition. And here's why. God has wrath. His children have sinned. They're very offensive in his eyes. They're filthy in his eyes. And they don't deserve to be in his presence. And if I was God, I might strike them down every time I saw them. Every single one of them. There are very few that will repent. But God said one day Israel won't profane his name. We'll see how long it takes until that happens. Perhaps Israel needs to suffer for a long time and be very ashamed. And if that's the case, I will shame every man and every woman in Israel so the whole world knows the sins of King David until he repents. The sins of Jehoshaphat until he repents. You might be surprised to know that Jezebel doesn't seem to worship false gods as much as Moses. And if I have to, I'll shame Moses every day until he repents. I might just ask Moses a question, who is God? And then record his answer on a smartphone video and post it to Instagram. 
And the whole world, Moses might think his answer makes sense, might be ashamed when Moses says, it's Belial, it's Baal. It's Baalim, it's Ashtaroth, it's Lucifer. And they realize what happens when there isn't one man who will say God's words, neither on earth nor in heaven. Men become filthy and wicked and vile and offensive, including Moses, King David, and Jehoshaphat. In Israel, there will be no international loans from other nations. There will be no foreign investments. In Israel, there will be no treaties, no agreements with international Red Cross, no membership in the UN. God said, make no covenants with foreign nations and we will make none. When we get there, if Israel has any debt, we won't pay it. That was other men. When I'm there, it will be a new nation, a fresh start, and we won't owe anyone anything. When other nations come and hope to trade with us from Tyre or other places, we're going to say no. In Israel, we have everything we need because God, the Almighty God, the Lord of Israel, provides it. We're not arrogant. We're not going to rob other nations. Right now, Israel, many of them, they, they're lawyers, maybe doctors, these Jews, maybe uh, they do your taxes. But it's not going to be like that in the future. They will be carpenters, woodworkers, blacksmiths. They'll make things in Israel. They'll do manufacturing. They'll grow food. But in Israel, we're not going to work 13 or 14 hours a day. We'll work seven. God will bless Israel. God already said he'll provide everything we need. So if we do all that God has commanded, then everything else is extra. In Israel, we'll keep, we'll keep the holy days. Three times per year, all the men in Israel will appear before God at the temple. And if any of them transgress the law, then I'll give the whole tribe of Levi swords to cut down every man that bows down his head and says, Lucifer is God. And they'll get drug out, placed on a cart, and their body will be taken outside of Israel and thrown on the ground. I might even pay other nations to take away things from Israel that don't belong. Like garbage disposal. If I have to, I'll thrust through Moses, the wicked sinner that he is, with my own sword. The law will be fulfilled in Israel. I'm going to pay men and women to remove things from Israel that don't belong. When we get there, there will be many things to remove. I'm going to cut the hard lines for the internet, for cable, television, for everything. We're going to take down all the radio towers. If a nation comes and tries to give us their radio stations, we'll go out of, the, out of Israel and destroy the tower. And then we'll come back in if we have to. If a nation attacks Israel with guns, with bullets, with missiles, terrorist bombs, God will protect Israel. We'll be perfectly safe at all times. 
God will do many things for his namesake. The men and women in Israel have profaned God's holy name. God is the most perfect, the most holy, the most righteous, the most just, the most faithful, the most amazing. He is the only one that can do miracles. He is the only one that can be the author of your mighty deeds, if you ever do one. God is the author of legendary deeds, the author of heroic deeds. God is the most badass motherfucker ever to walk the face of the motherfucking universe. Yet your pastor said God is weak. God is powerful. He has a mighty hand. God is strong. God is the most gangster. And you might have heard that God is weak from your pastor. You might have heard from other men and women that God doesn't answer prayers. God has been a perfect father unto all his children at all times. He always has, and he always will be. And in Israel, they might try to profane God's name badly. They might say God's unfaithful, unholy, unrighteous, unreliable, untrustworthy, a liar, a deceiver. They might lie about God. And if they do, I might tell them to be in exile for a while. Or they might get the rod. For every transgression of the law, they'll get the sword or the rod, hopefully. Except for a few. If they commit fornication, then hopefully they just marry, you know, whoever they had sex with. But God's fucking amazing. And I will publish news about God. And then you will hear the truth. Too long have those who loved God tiptoed around in the world, whispering, saying, Thank you, God, for the meal. Amen, in Jesus' name. I will proclaim good news and praise God and tell you about his marvelous works and his mighty deeds. In the world, you might expect me to say, God is on a throne. And shit like that. I'll tell you about times that Lucifer got his ass whooped by God. I'll tell you about times when God told hilarious jokes. I will talk in the world about funny things God said or when he made rap songs and did the whole rap song and I heard it. I'll tell you that I know the most perfect song in the whole world. God made it. And I can tell you what it's called and where you can listen to it on a music streaming service with your smartphone. I can tell you who made it. A man that's loved by God who lives in the earth right now. I'll talk to you about miracles I've seen. God will do amazing things and a time will come when the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of God. And I'll say God's the most badass motherfucker to ever walk the face of the motherfucking universe. And you might say, he's not that badass. And then you'll think about it and you'll say, actually, that makes sense. He is. He's not weak. He's cool. He's the most high, the most holy, and the most cool. The most amazing. The most awesome. He is God. He's the best at everything. But in Israel, they can't figure out how to praise God. They keep cursing the Lord and worshiping the devil, even in heaven. So in Israel, I'll do things that no man has ever done. 
I'll say things that no man has ever said and all of my designs will be successful. All. Many of the rabbis expect there to be, shortly after I arrive, world peace. And this is not a wrong expectation of the increase of my government and my peace, there shall be no end. God will gather his people. He said he'll take from the Gentiles to be Levites. Men and women from other nations will join Israel. And many of you will learn the truth. God chose Israel to live there forever. A place where he puts the soles of his feet. He has feet and his feet have souls. He is a man and he will place the soles of his feet there. But Israel ought to be perfect and holy and it can be. This might surprise you, but I am the most holy man who's ever lived and I am perfect in God's eyes. I am perfect. I am Messiah. But I can also say God's gangster and God's cool as fuck. And I can still be holy. I can still say that my words are clean and I can still be perfect. But many men and women in the earth, they're afraid to say God's cool as fuck. That might change in the future. A few things might change. And a time might come when I speak and they ask me, well, what about evolution? And I might say, well, give it 20 or 30 years. And you'll forget all about all that evolution dumb shit. And I might have to debate a few men just for my entertainment. And then many men and women in the earth that believed evolution might say, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. And I might say, that's right. God's real. And now you know it. Repent. Repent of your sins. So in Israel, with so many legendary men and women there, at least according to the earth standards, well-known men and women, the apostles, the fathers of the 12 tribes, Abraham, Moses, Noah, the Noah from the Bible. Yes, the flood happened. No, the earth isn't billions of years old. 6,138 and a half. With all of them in Israel, what will happen? They'll speak the word of God. Things will get better eventually, I guess. But I'll pay men and women when we first get there to remove things that don't belong. We're going to remove all the dildos from the sweatshops. Excuse me, the sex shops. We're going to remove toxic chemicals and abortion pills. We're going to get rid of all the bleach and shit like that. We don't need it. We're going to get rid of all the toxic chemicals, toxic cosmetics. We're going to get rid of all the plastics. It might take a long time. But plastics are really toxic chemicals. They have... Uh, problems because of the xenoestrogens and there's other problems with them I don't want to get into yet I don't want to explain it all but when you hear it you'll say fuck that's fucking weird to hear and I'll say it's weirder than I've said weirder than I've said we'll get rid of that shit we'll use real materials the real reason men and women use plastic is just because it's less expensive slightly metal and wood things like that are better natural materials are better everyone agrees if you had a coffee pot that was like made of let's say brass That'd be cool. Or uh, like an all-natural wood coffee pot with internal components that are metal or glass is actually preferred. You'd be like, wow, you know, the glass might break, 
But everyone that had one of those would say, wow, that's fancy as fuck. I mean, honestly, natural materials are better and everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. The most wealthy people, they buy things that are natural materials, not plastic. And they're not more expensive really because they're longer lasting when they're well built. It's way better. And then there's no trash. I want to make Israel a zero trash nation. So I want to get all the garbage out. I might even take it out of the nation and pay foreign nations to come pick it up. I might, I might pay them to come haul it away and put it in their nation and holes in the ground because I don't want it in Israel. And then I want to make it so it's zero trash. So if somebody breaks, like say, a, uh, a glass cup, a glass uh, plate or something, like a ceramic plate, I want to recycle the ceramic in all the ways that we can, but also we could take all the stuff that's, you know, clear glass and just throw it in a bin that's nearby. And then the glass smelter can just remelt it down and make a new glass. And that's fucking affordable because now he doesn't have to go get sand and melt it down and purify it and all that shit. It's just better. I want to make it a zero trash place and anything they need to throw away that's left will be like compost. And then we can just take it to like a soil farm, kind of like when you buy mulch or uh, soil for your garden. And then it's used. Zero trash. There's no reason for the world to be filled with garbage. It's just because people want to go to McDonald's. And the reason they want to go to McDonald's is because they have to work so many hours and commute so far and their lives are so hard and the taxes are so high and the laws are so obscene and life's so miserable. And when they get to the house, everyone's unhappy because they were unhappy all day long. When they get to the house, now they're unhappy more. We don't need all that garbage. And when we cook at home and everyone's happy, it's so much more fun. So I want it to be like that. More fun, more happy, zero garbage. Zero air pollution. We're going to do that. Zero garbage. Um, Zero prisons, zero jails, hopefully zero taxes. Um, Also, they'll get paid the day they work. Every man in Israel will get paid the day they work. And I'm going to make sure that I do all that I can, that it's always a a fair wage for all men. So that they can buy a house. So if a woman, this is going to surprise you, men and women, when you hear this, I know it's kind of sad because we live in foreign nations, but in the future it might be better. A lot of young women, it's very important by the time she's 20 years old, she wants to get married and find a husband. And then if she can, she wants to have children. It's very important to a lot of young women. And this isn't a sexist thing. This is a fact. But many women do this, um, do other things because they hate their husband. They can't find a man that they like or because they don't think they'll have enough money. And so if a woman can just have children and live at home and know that she'll always have enough money, she never has to worry about it, she'll often choose it if she can find a husband she likes. So I'd like to make sure that it's at least possible that if a man who's 20 years old gets a job, he can build or buy a house eventually. Hopefully, right, like really soon. Building a house takes a while. And then, even if it's a small house, they can still own it. And then she might not ever have to work and he can make enough money for up to to seven children by working five days a week with no overtime. So those are some of my my thoughts. Um, I want to have lunch every day where it's public. I'll be at the temple every morning and every night, um, I think. I want to have lunch where it's public. So... I might spend a lot of time talking to the kings, the apostles, the prophets, you know, men that like God's word the most. I I probably won't see the kings as much as I thought. I actually thought the kings were more respectable and more honorable. They they don't seem to have any honor. But the prophets are fucking cool, way cooler than the kings by far. 
It's kind of like saying, who would you rather spend time with? An old mangy dog that's covered in diseases or uh, a wise friend that's also fun and funny. It's like comparing the kings in Israel to the prophets. The prophets are cool and interesting and fun and funny. The kings are filthy and repulsive. Even every word that comes out of their mouth is repulsive. I didn't want to look at their faces when I talked to them in Israel. It's repulsive. And it's because they worship the devil and they speak lying words day and night. And when you see them in the earth, you might know exactly what I'm talking about and realize it's far worse than I just said. Also in Israel, I want to plan a lot of the cities. Um, the reason is um, we're going to build new cities. And um, honestly, I think the tribes of Israel will be opposed to it. Most men and women are always opposed to this. And then after, they're offended that it didn't happen. But I want to build cities. And the reason is Israel will increase in population over thousands of years. And um, I want to do cities that, um, this is my main thought, cities that have proximal uh, development so that work is near the house. So men don't have to travel, uh, you know, for three hours every day or four hours every day to go to and from work. And um, the difficulty is when we do uh, city development, most people are uninterested in it until after. And then they want to learn how to solve the problems. And for them, that usually means demolishing houses, which is wasteful. So I hope to talk to the uh, leaders of the 12 tribes at first, because the fathers of the 12 tribes, they're born in the earth, but... They'll be one year old next year, so they're not ready at this time to, uh, you know, plan the nation. So I want to do national development and city development, and part of that is what's called proximal land development, um, so that the work is always near where men and women live. But there's more. I want to do also something called um, national planning, but... The reason I'm calling it that, the reason I said it that way is because national planning done in the world now isn't the same as what I hope to do. What I hope to do in uh, Israel is to make sure that there's uh, industry, production, uh, jobs, um, financial equilibrium, and justice. So when a judge uh, gives out a judgment in one tribe, it's at least similar to judgments in other tribes. And I want to put the judgments on the Israel Data Hub. At least, you know, some of them, hopefully a lot of them, hopefully all of them. So men and women that are interested in the law can go there and quickly get it. I'd like it if they knew the law, but not every man and woman in Israel is going to know the law. Even when they're, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years old, they still might not know every law. But I'd like it if they could go find the law really easily with a search at first. And the main reason is that they're disobedient. If it isn't easy for them in Israel, they're probably not going to do it. So I want it to be like... What is the law when someone steals? And then they can find all the laws written in God's word, but also they can find like common cases of it, what it's like in each of the tribes, what the judgments typically are if someone steals bread. You know, typically they might steal like a certain amount of bread. You know, we might write that down or we might say it varies. We might say how common it is, how many stripes they get. Do they get more stripes if they steal more bread? That kind of stuff. Do they get more stripes if they steal from their grandma? I lived in a place called Redding, and there were, from time to time, men that would go up behind an old woman and punch her in the back of the head. You know, women in their 60s, 50, uh, 60s 70s, 80s, 90s. This woman would, would go faceplant right on the pavement, and then that man would steal her purse, 
take you know the five or ten or twenty dollars out of it and throw the puss, uh, the purse in the garbage. And it offends me for a lot of reasons. I mean, one, that's they're punching a grandma on the head. But another reason is, um, you know, these men often have like a giant spider tattoo on their face with a shaved head with, you know, a um, pentagram or a swastika on top of their head. A giant spider on their face. I mean, these men, they're just, you know, offensive to look at. But there's, it's worse than that. Um, listen to my last podcast if you want to know, uh, my previous podcast, what I mean by that, tattoos. But also... Um, God gave them their flesh. And a lot of men that get tattoos do it just because they want to make their flesh offensive to look at and offend God. It's defiance to God a lot of the time. Honestly, you can ask them. They'll probably tell you that. But there's more to it than that. Um, that grandma, she might have had $15 in her purse because she wanted to go buy some gifts for the grandchildren for their birthdays. And she might have had pictures of her her uh, grandchildren, her children, brothers and sisters, you know, people that she loves and some of them she sees often and others she rarely sees and phone numbers written down so she can contact, you know, family that's far away from time to time before Christmas and maybe they just moved and she only has their phone number but not their address so she can get their address and get their where they live so she can at least send them a card even if she doesn't have a lot of money. You know, it's just a fucking heartbreak to see what people do to men and women in the earth and then they take all those things that to her are incredibly valuable and throw it in a fucking garbage can while she bleeds into the pavement and needs to be taken to the hospital and hopes that someone comes along and helps her up and it hurts like a motherfucker to fall when you're old and it's embarrassing it hurts it you know when we're an adult you know but anyways it just fucking breaks my heart so when there's stuff like that you know that guy would get so many goddamn stripes that he might not ever want to be in israel again in fact a man like that what i want to have in israel is what's called the guardian it might be a while until we have them, but I want them in Israel to speak God's word so much that men with spider tattoos on their face don't even want to go there. So they say, oh, what's Israel like? And they might say, oh, it's amazing, it's happy, it's fun, they have joy, jubilee. And then they might say, oh, I want to go there. How much money do they have? Oh, they seem to have a lot of money, they seem to be happy. No, not a lot, but enough to live on. And they might say, oh, I'd like to go there and steal. And they might say, oh, they speak God's word there day and night. And then all those blasphemous motherfuckers that punch grandmas in the back of the head probably won't want to go there. And that might be enough. Just speaking God's word every day in Israel might be enough to make sure there's no meth factories and no heroin addicts and no heroin drug dealers. They might just stay the fuck out of Israel, you know. And I want the judges to stay on top of it in the tribe. So if a, you know, a 10-year-old boy starts abusing his sister or his brother... And then when he's 15, he's punching everyone he sees and trying to stab his mom with a knife. You know, by the time he's old enough to face judgment, then everyone in that whole village might watch that naughty little boy like a fucking hawk when he's 20 years old, if he lives that long. And then they might stone him with stones or stick a fucking sword in his ribs when he tries to murder someone, finally, when he's an adult. And we might finally say, fuck, we can finally kill that wicked motherfucker. And then they might say, why is it so happy in Israel? There's no murderers. And occasionally we have to wait until a child is old enough to put a fucking sword in their ribs. Now, God told us to stone disobedient children. And I'm not going to change that law. But I like a sword. And the main reason is I don't think that the men and women in Israel are reliable enough to fulfill the law. They might say, oh, well, all he did is stab his mom in the, th in the belly and the throat. Do we really have to kill him? Yes. He stabbed his mother. Did you hear what he did? She made him breakfast and he fucking stabbed her and ate breakfast while she fucking bled in the kitchen. That man's wicked as fuck, you know? 
hit him in the head with a rock until he's dead. I might just have to go over there and stick a fucking sword in him. So hopefully in Israel they fulfill the law. And I want to find the most faithful men and appoint them personally to be the ones that fulfill the law if no one else will. And give them swords and spears and everything. And I want to teach them personally how to use the sword and the spear so they know how to prevail. So if someone tries to stop them, no one can stop them. You know, God's there. So yeah, things might go well for those men, but still, you know, it might be hard as fuck. You know, if there's a hundred men that want to stop one righteous man, I might have to leave the temple, ride a fucking horse all the way to another tribe, and then personally cut down a hundred evil men so I can stab one wicked man and then ride the fuck back all the way to the prince's land. And then a lot of you might say, how much land do you get? I don't know. It looks like a shitload, but the main thing I want to do on my land is I want to make it so the most righteous, the most holy, the most patient, the most peaceful, the most meek, the most kind, the most humble can come to my land and they can work. There'll be shops and things that they can build and fields of crops and flocks. And then they can hopefully come to my um, land and work and live in a tent with their whole family, big enough for the whole family. And they can earn enough money every day that they can live there for a while and learn things from me that they'll never learn from any other man for a while probably because most men and women are too um, afraid too fearful to speak God's words I'll speak God's words and my words God will do a bunch of miracles so that's some of the things that will be in Israel if you really want to know what it's like many of you might think it'll be a utopia some might be a fucking think it'll be a wasteland Others might think that I'll just sit on my ass and just be God's word all fucking day. Other ones might think that it's like Israel now, but I'll just be there. And you might think Benjamin Netanyahu will be the prime minister of Israel. That's not going to fucking happen. That guy's going to be deposed so goddamn quick or he's going to repent. But in God's word, there's no prime ministers. There's kings. And the kings that are chosen by the people in foreign lands are often evil or wicked. And Saul was really evil, and he was rejected by God, I think, from before they chose him. They chose him, I think, just because he was tall. They didn't even know how to choose a king. Kings need to tell the truth. They need to be honorable and a bunch of other things. And they didn't even consider any of that, as far as I can tell. They just chose him because he was tall. And then when Goliath came and there was a giant, Saul, as far as I could tell, hid in a room. So, we don't need prime ministers. We don't need... Oh, all the laws in the whole nation will be just done away with. All, all of the current modern laws will be gone. The books will be burned. No, there will be no record, no trace of any of those laws. There will be no DMV, no licenses, no government agencies, no government employees, no registrations, no permits, no fees, probably zero taxes, um... No regulations of any kind. If somebody doesn't know how to build a house, they'll just have to find someone who does. They're not going to be a bunch of building inspectors and Caltrans inspectors walking around all day getting paid $45 an hour to watch someone else work. It's not going to happen. That's a huge waste of money and they get paid taxes, tax money. There's not going to be any taxes to pay them. <coughs> so uh, if I need to pay someone, I might just have money made and then pay them with the money that's made to do things like this, the national survey of Israel for the tribe boundaries. Um, so there'll be no government, no prime ministers, 
and it won't be a violent like coup or rebellion or anything. It just there it won't happen. The the military as it is now won't be needed. There will be no guns, no missiles, no airplanes. I want to get rid of the airport. And I want to get rid of a lot of the pavement in Israel. Eventually, I'd like to get rid of all of it. So it's all arable soil for uh, planting food and for crops to live. And I want to do soil amendments and that kind of stuff. That's stuff that a man can do. But God's going to do a lot of miracles. So we won't really need to do any of that. But I don't want the prisons and jails there. I don't know how many there are. So I want that shit gone. I want the barbed wire gone. It's a fucking gaudy eyesore and it's unnecessary. Maybe we can melt it down and turn that metal into something useful or... Just turn it into fucking bricks and sell it to a foreign nation and get rid of shit there that doesn't belong, you know? Maybe if we could tear down the uh, prison buildings, maybe we could sell the concrete rubble and all the prison bars to a foreign nation for, you know, a penny, a ton or something. Just, I don't care about the profit much. I just want to get rid of everything that doesn't belong. And then motor vehicles, I actually want to get rid of all of those for several reasons. But the main reason I'd like to get rid of them is they're unnecessary. And when Israel is well-developed and well-planned, people might prefer horses. If you think about it, people do prefer horses and chariots and wagons and camels and things like that, Bible stuff. But also, if we ever do need motor vehicles, you know, I might personally just des- design one. Because we don't need all those fucking uh, tracking electronics and computer control modules and fuel injection bullshit. A lot of the older technology still is better, like carburetors. We don't need computers to control everything. It's just one more part that breaks, and it's more plastic that's unnecessary. So I designed motor vehicles that are far better. And we, we, we don't need all the garbage either. It's just fucking automotive shops and junkyards everywhere. And you can't recycle vehicles. They're worthless. So I might just have men just come into Israel and take all the motor vehicles out and sell them for a penny a truck. All the Fords, all the Chevys, all the Dodges, all the Bentleys, all the uh, Buicks, just every vehicle until there's nothing left in Israel that doesn't belong there. And then they might say, why is it better in Israel? It's all on horses. And the other Gentile nations they might say, isn't that harder? No. We did proximal land development, so all the jobs are near the houses. But also, everyone likes riding horses. You think about it, if you come on a vacation, on a holiday to visit Israel for like a five days or ten days or something, and you get to ride in on a horse or a camel or an ass or a mule. I mean, that's way more fun. People will really enjoy that a lot. Everyone will enjoy that, no matter who they are. It's way more fun. It's cool. Everyone will like it. And there's no reason really at all for us to have a bunch of this other worthless horse shit. A bunch of motor vehicles. It's not necessary. They leak all over the ground. Toxic chemicals everywhere you go. You have these stupid, gaudy parking lots to go into, you know, giant department stores to buy things you don't need. We don't want that in Israel. Even the dumb fucks, spirits in heaven that used to live there, they don't want that. They want to go back to the way things were in a lot of ways because it's better in a lot of ways. And maybe one day I'll show it on it, you know, to the world. If social media still exists in, you know, 15 years, I might start to do like daily social media posts and I show like, this is, you know, the dishes we use. This is what the blacksmith shop is like. And they might say, wow, it's just better. I'm like, yep. These are the beds we sleep on. I'm like, wow. Here in America, we pay $2,000 for a bed made like that. Like a custom bed made in a, a wood shop by an expert, you know? And we might say, no, it's way less expensive in Israel. It's a fair price. So those are some things uh, about Israel.